Today's guest, Lee Foster, began her career as a water engineer. Then she followed her passion for innovation and spent several years researching what makes successful innovation. And the outcome is her own framework, InnoWise, which picks up from where ideation stops. It helps innovators implement their great idea. She's the founder of Innovate Wisely, which helps organisations innovate with knowledge in mind so that they can bring their ideas to life. Lee is also a visiting research fellow at QUT, continuing to develop the understanding of the innovation knowledge nexus. I'm Judy Selmans and welcome to Thrivable Biz, where we talk all things to make your business thrive. Welcome, Lee, to the Thrivable Biz stage. Thank you, Judy and Eric's. Uh, Hi. Oh, yeah, no, we're both here today. That's pretty cool. I don't often get this beloved person sitting beside me, so that's oh, nice to have. It's a privilege. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you've done a lot of research into innovation, and I've checked out your your information that you've got on your website and things, which is fantastic, which we'll talk more about. But I wanted to start by asking how you got into the innovation space. Good question, and I get it a lot. I guess I'm an engineer by profession, and I've been in doing the engineering for over 25 years. And I've always tried to push the, the barrier of, um, of knowledge, I guess, and tried to find new ways uh, of doing things, especially in water treatment, it was it's always a uh, an area that needs advancement. Um, so I, I went mm-hmm. off to university, um, QUT, to study a bit more about projects and what makes them um, so difficult to to have innovation in. And I wanted to understand a bit more about also organisational theory and what makes um, organizations tick especially around innovation so on that journey I found that I was interested in innovation and and especially innovation in projects and uh, and that uh, research continued and finished in 2018 and, and I guess since then I've found innovation very fascinating because you're dealing on the edge of knowledge and um, what 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 mm. isn't fascinating about that? Um, yeah. That's a great phrase, edge of knowledge. <laughs> Were you finding in your previous roles then, Lee, that the need to do things in new ways was because you were, the organisations were perhaps stuck in the status quo? Yeah, um, status quo, um, I guess... Uh, Things change in the world. So like there's a drought or there's a flood or um, yes. new information comes around about uh, new issues in water that you need to take out, but you don't know how to take that water out to protect human health. And that's what water treatment's all about. It's about protecting human health. So when you yeah. get new knowledge in one aspect, it drives new knowledge in another aspect to deal with new problem. Yeah, for example, there's a lot of issues in water at the moment around disinfection byproducts, which can cause cancer. So how do you go about treating that? It's a huge area of research. It's great to do the research, but then how do you apply it and how do you implement it in organisations? And that was just 
so frustrating to see um, organisations just being stuck in the BAU and not really wanting to take on new ways of doing things. Or if they did, not sharing that information widely enough to really get the full benefit of that of that innovation. Is it is that particularly because I know your experience obviously with water, so they're fairly big organisations. Do you, what is it in a larger organisation that makes it difficult to get the that case study that I analysed in my research showed that the people are stuck in their silos and don't really talk to each other, which is a common common theme. Right. So if you're not yep. sharing that knowledge widely, then it's not going to go very far. And that's what the what I've studied, I guess, is all about understanding how knowledge sharing and knowledge transfer works um, and what gets in the way of that. And what gets in the way of that is trust between networks. And the only way you're going to get trust is to get to know people. You get to know them, you get to trust mm. them, you get to like them, and then you'll start working more together as a collaborative. And for innovation, that is so important, is to work in a collaborative way and that just doesn't yeah. seem to happen in large organizations in smaller organizations it's a bit easier but because uh, you're smaller and you can share information easier but in large organizations that's just so much harder it's, it's always confused me as into why people don't know what's going on within a company you know but you're right they just they exist so separately and it's a very long time now since I've last worked in a large organisation so I don't have that practical day-to-day experience like you do. So do you just, what, what is your passion, do you still keep within water? Is that your thing or do you, are you exploring other industries, other, you know, because obviously your framework which you've developed, which we'll talk about, is is could be worked in any industry doesn't matter what it is but do you Mm. yeah so do you see yourself working in broader spaces yeah I do I definitely still have an interest in water um it's 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 a passion of mine but now innovation is another passion I recently went to a conference called innovate for water it was fantastic um yeah uh but yeah i'm definitely that's what i'm loving about innovation is helping me branch out into other industries and it's really growing Mm. you know that my horizons so yeah i've been talking to all sorts of people in the health industry um port the port industry startups in renewable energy all sorts of different organizations yeah there's a lot of crossover with sustainability because you know, as as I've had a little bit to do with the sustainability industry as such. You've had a lot to do with lot, it. Yeah, so whatever. <laughs> um, it's obviously water is one of the key elements in sustainability. So, you, you know, you talk about water management and we know that in the future there may even be wars based around water. So I clearly see massive issues around that. So what a fascinating conference to go to just on innovating water. That might sound really boring to well, me. What, what were yeah. some of the main points to come out of that, by It was the way. a really interesting conference. It was like a pitching conference. So there were um, there were people from all over the world, which was great because it was a virtual conference, which was innovative in right. itself. So people were able to dial in from all over the world. So you had financiers and you had problem holders and you had problem solvers, technology developers, people like me interested in the the theory of innovation and how to do innovation better. Um, but what, I guess what came out of it was an awareness of what other people are doing around the world in this space. 
And that's the whole idea of it was to share information and to collaborate, which is, you know, the, the key to innovation, as I mentioned. It's all about collaboration and sharing yeah. knowledge. And that's what this whole was about. There was, there was a lot of um, people there from poorer countries as well, um, Africa and Asia, trying to find funding and, or, or new ways of doing things. So, so, so that was um, really good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because of course there's some massive issues in, in some parts of the world of just getting access to fresh, clean water. So, um, Which we so take for granted. Yeah, we certainly do. You know, when I was going through all your literature, the, the two words that seem to be repeated a lot to me is the, is the term new knowledge. What, what do you mean by that? What, is, what does that mean in your well, world? That's the question someone asked me at the conference, and they, they said, what comes first, innovation, knowledge or wisdom? Good question. <laughs> yeah. my, my answer was... Innovation and knowledge need to work together because with, without knowledge, you don't have innovation. And without innovation, you don't have new knowledge. And from that new knowledge, you get organisational and community growth. But if you manage the two together, the innovation and the knowledge, then you get wisdom. In, in my framework, I guess it, it asks you in the first step to think about what knowledge do you actually have right now to help you solve that problem? So you're doing a bit of a knowledge right. audit. If, if you are doing something new that the organisation hasn't done, there's likely to be a knowledge gap within your organisation. So mm. you're reflecting on that. What is my knowledge gap? And that is what you need to fill, and that's the new knowledge that you need to create, which is in the next step, C creating that new knowledge, right. but also creating new knowledge objects to then be able to transfer that knowledge to the people that are using that innovation. So, and by new, new knowledge objects, I mean it could be a manual or a memo or a, a drawing to help explain that new knowledge that's being created. So it's not just sitting there in theory or in someone's head or that it actually gets out there and, and creates a reason and purpose for yeah. it. Yeah, and helps innovation. you transfer it to the people that you, you, that you want to use your innovation. Because otherwise, yeah, it just stays as a great idea, isn't it? It's not, not implemented. Yeah. And that, that's been um, a big topic I've been talking about lately is the difference between ideation and innovation. Everyone thinks innovation is just about <laughs> ideas. Yes. Yes. yes, it drives us mad as well. <laughs> <laughs> aye, aye, aye. But it's not. You know, ideation, is, it's, it's pretty easy to come up with a, a new idea. It, it's not yeah. that easy, but it's a lot easier than actually implementing the idea. And that's where it gets hard and that's yes. where innovation falls down because you don't have it actually yes. fully implemented within your organisation or your customer base and... It, and that's where innovation fails. It just doesn't get implemented properly or at all. Yeah, the, I mean, yeah, no, the, the old saying, well, your ideas are cheap, which does, I just keep running through my head basically. Is it, and, and I've done it myself because my head doesn't stop coming up mm. with ideas. Eric's is laughing under this very quietly, <laughs> politely here. But, and, and then, but yes, it's, it's that turning them into and, and, yes, gathering all the knowledge you need to go, 
how can I turn this into something that actually makes money, which is what innovation is. So, yeah. That's, or it's that's cool. improving your processes or just applying yeah. a new way of doing things. It's not necessarily all about making money. It's, it's it, it, But it has to add value. It has to add value to your organisation or your, to your community, but that could be in all sorts of different ways. Yeah, I guess I always look at it. So from my perspective, I go, as a business, you wouldn't run it if there wasn't, a, yes, of added value. And in, in the end, added value always turns into dollars. And, and so, you know, I, I guess I mean, that's my pragmatic. Maybe that's, yeah, it, it's just my perspective, I suppose. But so where, where does your model fit in? From, from Now we've got knowledge and we're identifying, you know, what gaps we've got in our knowledge. Where do we go then from your, from your in your model? Where, where does it go next? So, yeah, in the form, for, form phase, yeah, you've got your knowledge gap um, identified. But to fill that gap, you need to collaborate, which is what we were talking about before. All There's a lot of research out there that shows that for innovation to truly succeed, you need to collaborate. And the reason why is because you're filling that knowledge gap within your organisation. And it's, you know, usually you, to fill that, you have to go outside of your organisation to collaborate. Yeah. And even um, more powerful yeah. is collaborating with a research organisation because then you're really pushing that barrier of new knowledge and thinking, you know, in a different way, different perspective. So so once you've formed your project, your problem, your, your people, your resources, um, you can then start creating. So you're creating the turning the idea into your innovation. Um, you might be doing a prototype, um, testing your solution. You're testing your um, knowledge objects as well. So you're creating those and you're testing them. Uh, and at the same time, you need to be really focusing on that collaboration side of things because it's actually really working now. And you need to keep the momentum going because the next phase is the really hard phase, um, which I call adopt, mm. um, which is where you're implementing your innovation and you're using those uh, knowledge objects um, in a much bigger way. So, so that's adopt phase. Then the final phase of a process, and it's a circular process because it, it continues, but a lot of people forget about doing a really well-structured and focused critique of their innovation. So while it's being adopted, you should be getting feedback from your from your customers yeah. and um, you know, whether they're internal, external, whatever. Um, you should be getting that feedback, but you should be set up to take that feedback and really do critical revisions of your innovation to improve it because it's never going to be right the first time or even, you know, the second time. So but you also yeah. should be revising, you know, what what new knowledge have we actually created through this whole process and how can we embed that into our organisation and then how are we going to monitor that? It has been fully realised, not only the innovation but the new knowledge, but it's been fully realised in your organisation and the community that's involved. And then from that, I guess you're working out what your next problem is to solve and how are you going to solve it, what's your solution and once again what's your knowledge gap and, and the cycle continues. How do you overcome the silo issue? So, you know, we opened with identifying that the silos is a problem. Mm. Is within your structure a way of, you know, oh, this really has to get buy-in from the top of the ladder really, doesn't it? Absolutely. I mean, 
how do you, how do you bring the science? Through my research, together? I found that trust was a huge issue um, all throughout the innovation cycle. So I think I mentioned that before, and you need to trust between your teams, um, whoever's collaborating, um, they need to trust each other. They need to trust that the leadership is behind the project as well. That's really, really important. It's been shown many, many times that leadership is super important and sponsorship of, of your project um, needs to be demonstrated and, and, and they need to demonstrate it through energy or motivation. So people see that you're motivated and then they get trust that, yes, I'm going to be backed by my management for this. They're going to provide the right resources for mm. this new thing. Um, and they, and it also, it's also about, I guess, a collaborative understanding of the problem. We all agree this problem is real um, and it needs to be solved. We all agree that the solution is the right solution. We trust it's going to work and therefore, you know, we've, we're motivated and we'll, we'll keep working together and, and we'll, because it, it, it will be hard. Um, there will be issues that come up. And if you, if you yeah. don't have the energy to push through that, barrier of BAU, then you'll just go back to BAU, which so often happens. Does that explain that question? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and what I'm really interested in uh, is what are the pitfalls at that stage? Like you, you fall on into, well, really the adoption stage. What can go wrong? Yeah, well, that's where you can really lose trust. So you, you're starting to go wider yeah. in the in your either internal, external community with your solution, with your technology or your new process, whatever it is. You're starting to come up against probably, most likely you'll come up against more problems. So and if you're not addressing those problems quickly and um, in, in, you know, in a way that solves those problems, then you're going to lose trust in the solution and you'll lose motivation and then that's where the innovation will start to lose momentum and die. So it's keeping communication going through the, the different stakeholders who, who often, mm. I guess, well, especially these days, won't, may not be in the same physical space even. Yeah, yeah. Communication is so important, which is why um, you really need to be focused in the beginning of what, what kind of knowledge do I need to be creating? Knowledge objects do I need to be creating to transfer even awareness of, of, of the problem through my organisation and awareness of the solution um, and, then, and then how to use it? So, and then they're communication tools, but it's also about getting energy behind using it. So how, how are you going to energise people within your organisations to take on this new solution? And that's part of the create phase is, is really creating those energising activities, creating those collaboration activities to break down silos, get trust and to create energy mm -hmm. so you can keep going and keep solving those problems together. A way to do that is to focus, keep focusing back on why you're doing it. So the, the, the purpose mm -hmm. is really key um, in understanding that. And that's why the leadership has to really be there at the forefront and really driving that message of why we're doing this change. Yeah, all my um, I, I, all my reading and research is is pretty much fall into the same sort of place, Lee, because it's you know, and I've worked with organisations in the past that it, it's without that leadership, without that real commitment to to wanting to drive an innovation culture and them understanding the benefits of it. 
and and also the communication. I think if you're working with a leader who's who has an open communication method, oh my goodness, it's such a difference to work in a place like that. Mm, so, yeah, yeah. I wanted to just talk about because clearly, you know, we are right in the middle of what is probably our generation's war. Mm. For that's not exactly a pleasant term, but it's pretty real. And we were just talking on the break before we started recording this that you know here in New Zealand we had you know pretty much an air raid siren going off at last night before we went to bed and then first thing in the morning. So it's pretty intense stuff. And I think what I'm finding seen by a lot of business people is that they're in this general space of uncertainty. You know, they're I don't know what's happening. I mean, literally, they woke mm. up this morning and had to literally pivot their business within three hours they had to to make it a completely different environment so they could welcome customers or, or manage to actually even have a business. So that's that's pretty intense. So how do we, how do you manage or how do you even convince a business person that that innovation is what they need at this stage, you know, I mean, they've got enough uncertainty. So how do we manage that? Mm, but I think they are innovating without even knowing it. And, and so many yeah. organisations all around the world move to, you know, online communication using Zoom or whatever um, within the week um, or sooner. And um, people yes. have moved to training courses online rather than, in you know face-to-face workshops within a matter of weeks um so and that's innovation to me because it's something new they're doing Mm. for their organization and um and it's adding value to their organization because they're able to keep going so and yeah so any pivoting it's it's about doing something new for, for themselves so so they're doing it but i guess they're doing it because they they trust that there is a real problem out there and and they need to do something different about it to continue. Is it fair to say, Lee, that innovation is often seen by many people as being the big moonshot project, like this one big thing that's going to happen, that's going to you know, take the organisation to the future? But as you say, it, it, it's actually... Is it more likely to be made up of lots of those smaller things? I I think it is more likely to be incremental, what they call incremental innovations rather than majorly disruptive. Disruptive innovation is really scary. Um, Incremental innovation is scary enough, but really disruptive innovations for large existing corporate organisations is really scary. So, you know, they don't want to go there, but... Sometimes they have to. Um, if if the world around yeah. them is changing so much, then they have to really think think about what's the environment telling me out there, and do I really need to be thinking my value proposition here? Yeah, and, and I guess the problem is a lot of, a lot of larger organisations that have died in the past. Like I oh, did, someone say the other day, um, we don't want to go and have a Kodak moment. <laughs> 
Yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's a great one. Yeah. That's yes, a Kodak moment used to reflect, it used to mean something else, but yes. now... For those of us who are slightly younger in our listening audience, they probably didn't even know what Kodak was, and you actually had film before digital cameras, but... Um, yes. Oh, that's too funny. That's very, very cute, yes. actually. So sometimes organisations do need to have a disruptive um, approach, otherwise, you know... And this, as the saying goes, if, if you don't innovate, you die. And in that case, yes, it needs to be disruptive to the organisation or, or they disappear like so many um, great companies in the mm. past. Yeah. But m- mostly I'd say it's incremental. It, it, that is really interesting because is it fair to say that to counter the debate if you like oh we, we haven't got time for innovation we, we you know i'm not creative all of that sort of thing i really liked what you said about pointing out what you're actually doing already that's been innovating or if you look over your business's recent history look at what you've actually done new and differently and didn't mm. even know it yeah that's it um a lot of people yeah are innovative but sort of subconsciously and I I guess that's what I try and point out is to innovate wisely is to do it in a conscious way with knowledge in mind so they're they're really taking full advantage of their innovation by understanding all the, the knowledge and learning cycle that goes on with innovation and making sure that's really fully embedded within their organization have you got a system that manages the new information? So, for example, you've you've done some research and you've identified an issue you want to embark on and you want to solve, and so you put all your energy into that. But in the process, you might have identified some other thing. Do you have a management a system to manage that other information and so that it doesn't get lost? Um, knowledge, knowledge management system is a part of the analysis to try and really be aware in that form stage, okay, we're going, yes, we are going to be creating new knowledge. This is what we think it's going to look like. What's our existing system to that we have that we can use to manage that new knowledge? Is it enough? Do we need something different, a different tool set to be able to share or create, I guess, create then share the knowledge? Um, yeah, and then the, yeah, if there is a gap there, then you need to go and have a look at your knowledge management system. But part of the process is to do kind of a survey of your project participants to see what they think about your project and how they think that the knowledge is going to be uh, managed and if, if the system is good enough, for example. that For example, the question would be, you know, do you trust our knowledge management system will be able to cope with this new knowledge or is good enough to share the new knowledge. And if that comes back with a resounding, no, it's not, <laughs> then you've obviously got a problem and you need to go out there and, and fix it. And I, I have uh, uh, come across an organisation that I'm, I, I work with called APQC for short. It's uh, American Process Quality something or other, sorry. Um, <laughs> Love those acronyms. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, they they do benchmarking around process processes, but also knowledge management processes and knowledge management systems. And they can do audits of your system to work out where the gaps are in your system compared to like 
organizations around the world and they, they they have over 10 years of data in their databases that they do this benchmarking against so then then that can right. then highlight where you need to improve in your knowledge management process and or systems and as you've stressed through your framework that it doesn't stop at one place this just keeps going and i like one of the phrases you use, are you learning from your lessons? Yeah, yeah. I've come across so many people, so many organisations, they, yeah, they, they try to learn from the lessons. They, you know, maybe know, a few projects every now and then they'll do a lessons learned type workshop at the end of the project yeah. and they'll um, do it in a nice way and they'll put all the information into a spreadsheet and then that information goes into a bigger spreadsheet and then nothing happens. <laughs> right. yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. But that, just, that sounds like pretty much any old meeting I've ever remembered. Yeah. yeah. So does it help having someone from the outside like yourself to stimulate all this along and to make sure these things actually mm. happen because corporate politics can take over some of this. Yeah, that's it. Thought. And time, right? It takes time to um, to yep. to think about these things. And I guess my, the process I've developed helps you think about all these things in a systematic way. So it really does point out right at the beginning, you need to be thinking about how you're going to critique this project at the end. And do you have enough resources and systems in place to be able to do that thoroughly? You know, do you have enough budget? Do you have enough time to be able to do that properly? Because it will, yeah. it will inevitably come up with a new problem that you need to work on or, you know, hopefully, and it's not an innovation without really new knowledge, you'll have some new knowledge that you then want to properly embed within your organisation or at least track that it is getting embedded um, within your organisation. So I guess if someone like me, like the process will help them plan for that appropriately and then um, the process also involves um, surveys to then test that it is being used, that knowledge is being used and there is chatter and energy behind it. So I guess that's how you measure that it's being being used and people trust it. They won't, if they don't trust it, they won't use it. So it's kind of together. Yeah. yeah. The other uh, aspect that I can provide organisations as well is using thematic analysis on those spreadsheets, on those databases of lessons learned, uh, whether it's on a project or a whole bunch of projects, you, you can do analysis on all the words that are in there to come up with themes and relationships to then help the organisation focus on, on what they really should be learning. Because there'll be lots of lessons learned, right? So too too many. And yeah. I think that's half the problem. There's There's too many. Too much. Too much. Yeah. So let's do some analysis, break it down and come up with the top three and then work out a plan to make sure it's fully embedded. That, that actually makes sense because I think that's the biggest problem with any size innovation or project or concept is it just becomes all too much. A person I'm working with who's a, um, I'm a mentor for them at the moment and, and, you know, she's got a fabulous idea. And But originally when she came to me, it was because it was just everything out of her head was just didn't know where she to go with it. I totally mm. overwhelmed with how to pull it apart. And so now 
for, for listeners who may not be in the big corporate space and have a team of, you know, 100 other people or whatever that they can pull on, is there, are there any tips that you can take from your framework to help them pull apart their idea and and see it yeah. through? Yeah, yeah. well, the, the, I've developed a couple of products to help them with that. The inner plan is what I call it, which is like an innovation on a page. It can be presented as an innovation on a page. So it's like a dashboard type approach to communicating how you're going to implement your idea. And by uh, you, when you use this inner plan approach, the process is I send the person a whole bunch of carefully crafted questions to help them fill in the inner plan. Um, and it goes through each step of the cycle and the, and the knowledge cycle to help them really think about the relationship between innovation and the knowledge. So, so then that creates that you know plan, on, which is an innovation on a page, um, and, and it just helps them step through and think about what is the next step and what do I really need to be doing here. And then that can be a communication tool then to to others, a bit like you know, the business canvas type approach, but this is like an innovation canvas yep. approach. Yeah. That's really yeah. nice. Yes, and the example that, that you sent us earlier is excellent. It would make it very clear. I can see how that would work. So if someone, say, in a smaller organisation has been tasked with doing it, very easy to show around the team to get involved and maybe make their own contributions. Absolutely, absolutely. So. I guess the base product that I have, it, it you can engage in that process for less than two hundred dollars. But uh, if you want to do it as a team and you want me to help the team, then it's a little bit more. Um, uh, sure. And then even um, better than that, I guess, is doing it as, as in a workshop type environment. So getting everyone's input, but then talking about it in a workshop environment to really flesh out any um, any anomalies between people's thoughts and ideas and then you know say coming up with an agreed planning approach to the implementation of your project yeah the other product i have is the you know pulse which is the testing of the trust and energy throughout the project cycle and that's a simple survey-based system where again send out carefully crafted questions to find out how people are trusting um, the the problem and the project and how energized they are about it. They're Leichhardt scale type questions as well as open-ended questions. And I use the thematic analysis to um, really understand what's going on from the surveys and then provide recommendations on if there's any issues that need to be addressed, um, like any themes that might come up that needs to be addressed. And the, the idea is that you're using these sort of subjective measures early in the piece and at every stage of the project cycle so so you can change how you're managing your project before it starts to hit the 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 hard metrics of of time and budget right so lee we might we might sort of wrap this up naturally here because i if someone listening wants to find out a bit more about those those two products in particular well three products that you've got in offering your website's the best place to Yeah, go. absolutely. Yeah, the, the product um, models are there and, and they can contact me. We will put links, of course, into in the uh, in the show notes, but just for everybody listening, what's your uh, website? InnovateWisely.com. 
fabulous. Well, that's easy. <laughs> and, well my, done. <laughs> <laughs> and my uh, email is lee at innovatewisely.com. Oh, too easy, Lee. It's clear to me that from all the things that I've looked at that, yes, the ideas are cheap and turning it into innovation is so important, but managing it within the team is uh, tell you what important. I really yeah. love your, your two words, trust and energy. And so benchmarking and monitoring those along the way, that, that, that's, that's terrific. Thank you. Yeah, well done. Yeah, congratulations on all that because I understand you've obviously put enormous amount of work into pulling that together. So yeah, there's, there's yeah, a lot of research well behind it, that's for sure. And it's, it's coming on the backs mm. of other innovation specialists around the world. It's based on science. So it's not just, you know, this is my addition or contribution to the world of innovation. Enjoy that? Then don't forget to subscribe. I've put links in the description for heaps of free tips on innovation, so check them out as well. See you next time on Thrivable Bits.